And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm here tonight with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. Hello, mate. Uh, Pascal will be joining us for part two when we go into the Everton game and we, we preview the weekend. But for now, it's just me and Jazz. So apologies for that. But you've just got us two for now. Um, Jazz, big weekend of, uh, well, big week of international football for a lot of our players. We went quite a long time didn't we with uh with with hardly any nationals and now it seems like we lose three quarters of the squad yeah i think it was what like 15 15 players 15 14 which is uh, uh it was more than that i think it was 16 players plus two out on loan i think it was 18 internationals we had yeah i mean that that's crazy i mean I'm i'm not used to that but i think it um it only shows the higher level that arsenal is at now that all these players are getting called up and, uh, you know, appreciated by their national teams. I think it can only be a good thing. And, um, you know, I have this kind of like um, optimistic thinking that like when players go off on international duty, they're getting uh, this different level of coaching, not necessarily better or worse, Um that maybe catches weaknesses that our current coaching staff doesn't have. You know, I, I play all this stuff in my head and think they're always going to come back better and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that that's just what I do to make me feel better during the international break. But, you know, is what it is. I think there's existential reasons as well, though, Just because, you know, a lot of these, when we're buying players now, the market we're in, we're probably buying international players, right? And yeah, when we've got players going away, they talk about what's going on at Arsenal in the international camps. Obviously, there's a good mood, so I'm sure everyone's giving glam reviews. So, you know, the word spreads around like that. And the other thing is in the reports, when you see Tomiyasu starring for Japan, the reports in Japan are going to be Tomiyasu who plays for the Arsenal, you know? And I, I think that can only help the club in terms of stature and also with players in terms of in terms of reach and appeal. Yeah, definitely. I think from a commercial standpoint, it definitely helps, uh, especially when you have players like Tomiyasu that are playing for countries that um, I don't want to say aren't traditionally Arsenal fans, but um, you know they're they're reaching an area where we don't necessarily promote that much, like Japan. And uh, I, yeah, I think as long as you don't include Junichi Inamoto, remember Junichi Inamoto? What a signing! I don't actually. Who is that? Remember Junichi Inamoto? So I thought we'd sign him, but apparently it was only ever a loan deal. Um, he came from uh, someone Kyo Shobi Antlers or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was with us for a season. I think he played a couple of League Cup games and he ended up at Fulham for a while. He wasn't a bad player, actually. He was better than uh, Park Chu Young, who may or may not exist. But um, anyway, carry on. I, I, I interrupt. I was thinking about uh, what what was that that kid? Uh, Rio Miachi. Yes, him. That's the new Ronaldo, thinking. the new Pele, whatever else yep. he was, the new yeah, one. The Japanese Messi. Yeah, Japanese messy. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I I think um, 
I think Arsenal players um, being stars for their national team is only a good thing for us. It only widens the appeal. Um, the reach the club has makes commercial deals potentially bigger, which can only be good for Arsenal. Um, so, I mean, this is absolutely a good thing, even though I know a lot of fans, myself included, hate having these these interlulls where all your best players go away. There's a lot of like B side effects that uh, help the club a bunch, you know. Yeah, for sure. I, I I do I do think it's a it's a net positive. Just the the extra minutes players play is just something you're gonna have to gonna have to part with. So let's let's go through a couple of these jars and and sure, you know what what our players actually did on international duty. So Ramsdale didn't play in the qualifier against Ukraine. He did play in the friendly against Scotland. Uh, he played pretty well. He played well with a ball at his feet. He didn't have much to do with his hands apart from the one Harry Maguire goal, which uh, you know, <laughs> you're not really expecting your centre half to shove one past you within five minutes coming on. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we need to pile on with that. You know? No. Um, so, but other than that, he looked pretty good. I think the um, the response in the media and the response to the public back in England has been good for Ramsdale. Uh, a lot of people questioning whether he should be the starter, which of course he should be. So, um, yeah, so good stuff for Ramsdale. Yeah, definitely. I am um, having a hard time. Uh, you, I, you know, I'm not English, of course. Uh, I'm having a hard time wondering why Pickford is still ahead of him, considering he's playing for a club that's favorite for relegation at this point. And we have Ramsdale, who's playing for a title contending team, can play out from the back, can kick it long as he showed at Brentford and at Arsenal at times, to be fair. Um, it, it just, you, you know, I, I mean, Gav, I mean, you're British. Uh, like, how do you feel about this, I think, is more interesting because I think it, it's another case of Southgate just, like, showing his favorites that he... So, well, go ahead. I'll let so you... Look at it this way, Just Gareth Southgate is the most successful England manager of the last 50 years. Half a century. Gareth Southgate is by far and away the most successful England manager. That's undeniable. It's not debatable. You can like his style of football. You can not like his style of football. doesn't matter. He's got to World Cup semi-final. He's got to a European Championship final. Um, England were the best team at the Euros, without a shadow of a doubt. They lost on penalties to Italy. Um he has got players that he likes and players that he trusts. He has a core group and he sticks with them. Now, I wouldn't do it. I don't think the feeling in England is that he should be doing in it. There is no way that Jordan Henderson should be playing. There is no way that Harry Maguire should be keep getting called up. There is no way that Pickford should be the number one. But these are the players that have got him there. And I find it very hard to argue with a manager who's been as successful as he has when you look at the failures that have gone before and, and you can, you can, you can point at Southgate and the way his teams play football. And this is what I will say about that. Shit football wins tournaments, whether you like it or not, when it comes to tournament play, shit football is what wins it. Teams that are very, very formulaic, like Germany have been on a number of occasions, like Italy have been on a number of occasions. 
not conceding goals is what wins football tournaments. The last World Cup final kind of threw everybody because it was 3-3 and it was Messi versus Mbappe. Generally speaking, that is not what wins World Cups and European Championships. It is the style of football that Gareth Southgate plays that wins those tournaments. So in answer to your question, I don't like Southgate. I wouldn't choose Southgate. I wouldn't pick the teams that Southgate picks, but I find it very hard to argue against a manager that is undoubtedly England's most successful manager in half a century. Look, Gavis, as an outsider, I look at it like this. Um, I think with some different squad decisions and Southgate not being so safe, just a little less that England maybe could have been in a final of one and maybe a champion of another. Uh, I, I, again, as an outsider, you know, but I, I follow English football closer than American football at this point. Um, I think 20, 2018, when we got the semi-final of the World Cup, it was a very different England squad. And was, quite yeah. frankly, it's a miracle that that team got as far as they did because that team were not a very good team. That squad yeah. was not a good squad. It was one of the worst pools of players that I have seen. Yeah, and most but of the he, good players were young as yeah, well. The way it turned so quickly from 2018 to 2020 in terms of the standard of players, when you had people... Obviously, Saka's get, Saka coming through, really making the breakthrough. You have people like Bellingham making the breakthrough. Yep. It's a big, big difference in the squads. And you're right, it probably does need a different manager at this point. All I'm saying is that Southgate has got an awful lot of credit in the bank. And he's going to, you know, he's he's going after the Euros. He's already said that this is it. The Euros are the last thing. So we'll see who succeeds him. But for right now, I think you just have to accept that Gareth Southgate has got favourites and those favourites, if it's at all possible, are going to play. I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. I I, I accept he has credit in the bank. Um, he's done really well for England where probably better managers and better squads didn't do as well as he did. Um, so that's that that's all acceptable and I, I understand it. Um, I just wonder... Uh, who would be? Are are you looking at maybe Graham Potter as a successor? I'll be honest with you, I couldn't care less because I don't like international football at all. One thing I will say is that I do believe the England coach should be English. I don't think a foreign manager should even be. I don't think a foreign name should even come up in it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely, one hundred percent, be an English manager. Graham Potter seems like the obvious one if he would take it. The problem you've got is that international football. I would rather manage Bournemouth than England. And I think most managers are going to be, are going to look at it like that. International football is not what it was. The Premier League is the biggest and best league in the world. So there's only 20 of those jobs. And no one is, put it this way, Eddie Howe is not leaving Newcastle to go and manage England. So that will, that will play a big part too. So maybe it'll be grandpa. It depends what he's, what he's doing at the end of next summer, I guess. Well, I don't want to waste a lot of time on this. I'll just be quick. But um, this is kind of evident, right, with Germany's situation and Hansi Flick. Um, where does he even go from here? I'm, that That's a rhetorical question, to be fair. But, I mean, where does he go from here uh, after already coaching Bayern, leaving for the German national team, and now getting sacked? I, I just feel like uh, it plays into your point a ton uh, with – 
once you fail internationally, it's it's a totally different level, right? And almost everyone does fail in the England job. That's the other thing you've got to remember, that the England job is a goddamn awful, awful job to have. Like, it is a terrible job. And it's it's hard for people who aren't English to understand how bad that job actually is. You are ridiculed every day in every major newspaper. You have turnips put on your head. You have donkey ears pasted on you in every newspaper. Your kids and grandkids will get bullied at school. It is, honestly, one of the worst jobs that you could ever have. President of the United States is probably the only one. Only one that I would rather have less than that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is an awful, awful job. So, in order to take it, if I'm someone like Graham Potter, I wouldn't take that job. Not if I want. Not if I still want to manage in the Premier League, because I think once that stink gets on you, it's very hard to to get that off. Hmm. That's interesting. It does seem like Potter is waiting for something. I've uh, I read, you know, and these are these are just press rumors to be fair, but um, I read a couple clubs sought him out in the summer and he denied them all. I think there was even a La Liga club or maybe Syria. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but a, a foreign club also sought him out. Um, I, I, I do think he may be waiting for this, but we'll we'll see. I mean. Look, for, again, from an outsider looking in, I think he's he'd be the best option you guys could have for a national team coach. But, you know, my opinion means nothing, to be fair. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who takes over next and what they do. I mean, this is definitely the best pool of England players probably that there's ever been. Um, I think so. Be, yeah. yeah. So it will be it will be intriguing to see where they go. It's certainly not going to have not gonna have it- options. Isn't it nice that uh, Saka and Rice are two of the players that are basically carrying those flagpoles? I mean, they're two of the reasons why England is where they are. Yeah, and and if it's Graham Potter or, or just about anyone else that gets the job as well, if Ben White wants to play for England, and I don't know that he does, but if he does want to play for England, then uh, I would assume Ben White will be the fourth member of the squad. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Yep. So, I imagine he will be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So moving on, um, David Raya was an unused sub for Spain in both games. No need to go uh, any further on that. Tomiyasu. Tomiyasu had a good break. Um, So uh, Japan thrashed Germany 4-1. He started as the left-sided centre-back and was excellent. He was man of the match. There's highlight packages of him going on everywhere. Um, and then he came on as a sub in the second game versus Turkey, which Japan also won. So an excellent break for him and um, good to see him getting some more minutes under his belt. And obviously it's, you know, the more football for Tommy Asu, the more football but without an injury, the better. Yeah, no, no, no. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think this is nothing but good for Tommy Asu, especially after the amount of time he sat out. Um, I wouldn't say normally that Mikel... Arteta is one that um, factors in performances for international breaks, but I think after seeing his performance for Germany, this may be just one that kind of, you know, nudges him ahead. Uh, It was a terrific performance. I only saw highlights, to be fair, Um, but uh, it was a terrific performance by all accounts, by a bunch of smarter people than I am that watched it. I think... um, you know, due to the timber injury, we've got a big place for Tomiyasu this year. And I think uh, especially in the NLD, uh, he could play a big role there. 
hundred percent. And I think with Tommy Asu, it, it's not, you know, it's not that any of us doubt the player. We doubt the fitness, right? That's that's the problem with Tommy Asu. It's just all about can he stay fit. So he's he's got to prove it because for us, he's never been able to stay fit. And every time we need him, he's not there. And with the timber injury, we are going to need him this year. So, you know, if, if he can't, I think he's going to be. This is a huge year for him because if he if yeah. we go to call on him and he's not there, I think that's the end. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think he's he's on thin ice, so to speak. Uh, but it's it's just about uh, availability, not about um, ability. Um. But man, he, he's so damn versatile, you know, being able to play all four positions along the back line. I, I really hope he can pull it together because I, I, I think he could be hugely valuable for us. And uh, I, I, I really just hope he puts his injury stuff behind him. He's only, what, uh, 24? 24, I think, yeah. Yep. Um, so, I mean, if he can put that stuff behind him, I mean, he's going to be invaluable for us, just like Timber will be when he comes back. Yeah. Um, Big Willie Saliba came on as a sub against Ireland and then he started the second game against Germany. He's coming for a little bit of stick after the performance against Germany. Um, I mean, he was he was beaten pretty easily by Sané for the for the winner for Germany. Um, And Germany, remember, just fired Hansi Flick after that disaster against Japan. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine it's going to dent his confidence too much. Obviously, I'd prefer it if he if he hadn't have kind of been at fault for it and didn't get the stick. But yeah, he's uh, he's not had an easy ride of it with the with the French press apparently. Yeah, Saliba doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to um, get downtrodden over some negative press. To be fair, um, it, does does new manager bounce? matter in internationals i don't know but um you know that that probably is a bit of a part of it you know uh players are always going to try harder under a new manager and and try to set their spot um you know what we've seen saliba he's been 98 percent fantastic but has made some a couple high profile errors you know i mean it just is what it is from a young center back it is what it is yeah i'm not worried about it at all not worried about it at all. Come on, come on home, Big Willie, and we'll we'll get it all figured out over the weekend. I'm not not yep. bothered about this. I feel the same. Jakub yep. um, Kifior played both games for Poland. Interestingly, played left back both games. Um, I mean, not much to say about that. He played all 180 minutes. He seems like kind of a fit guy that that plays most games. Again, he's another one that's been lacking for game time. So it's it's good to see him go away and get some get some minutes. Yeah, I think this one is actually huge, bigger than than you make it sound. Um, not 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 like you know you're minimizing it or anything, but I think um, I think having Kivior play both these international games is going to be really big for keeping him up to speed, and also playing him in a position that he may be a little more uncomfortable in left back, and maybe um, needed in for us. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. So. Um, so I'm totally cool with this. I'm really glad he got the 180 minutes in a position that he's probably going to play for us because I doubt he plays much uh, center back for us, to be honest. Um, so I think this can only be a good thing. Big Gabby, the man who owns that shirt, Arsenal that Kivior would uh, would love to get, but probably won't ever get. 
Um, he played both games for Brazil. He did come off after 85 minutes in the first game with a thigh injury, but obviously it was okay because he started and played all 90 again in the second. Um, they're raving about him in Brazil. It's, it's criminal that it's taken him this long to get a cap. And now they have. They've all gone, Big Gabby, where have you been all my life? We kind of know the feeling. Yeah, this is probably the most special one this window, right? I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, he's uh, he's deserved it for a while, I think. And he's come in and shown what he can do. And now they all love him. Um, just like us, really. Uh, you know, once he came in and showed what he could do, we were like, wow, this is a way higher level than we expected, I think, coming from the, the French League. Um, I'm and all he's, about it. He's such an emotional guy too, right? Right, Gabby, like he he play he's a confidence player as much as anybody else is in the squad. You can tell it's a real. Do you remember last year when he made the he made the mistake? Um, was it against Fulham? And the crowd really got really got behind him immediately, and you could see how much that that kind of meant to him. I think with with Gabby these international games, like I said with Saliba, I feel like with Saliba he just says, "Oh well, whatever." I'm uh, you know I'm back to work on Monday. With with Gabby, I think it's different. I think this stuff stays with him. So I think this is going to have a real, real positive effect on him. That's actually a really fair point. Yeah, I I agree. I think Gabby is the more emotional of the center backs and um, will appreciate the backing that he's getting now from the Brazil fans. I think he's probably going to be nailed on LCB uh, left center back. Sorry for well, that's 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 great for us too because you know they we we aren't we aren't privy to the private conversations but i think it's pretty clear that he was given a substantial offer from saudi arabia i don't know how much i believe the 170 million pound and all this and that but he was obviously presented with an offer and it was obviously a substantial offer and there probably is more to the fact that he missed them two games than just Mikel paying silly buggers right so there was probably something something there so this is good that he's gone away with Brazil because I think it will help refocus him. And if and not that I thought there was ever a focus problem, but if there was some kind of regret on his part that it was an opportunity missed, I think this playing for Brazil, which he wouldn't be doing if he if you know if he went to Saudi Arabia, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that if he'd have gone to Saudi Arabia, he probably wouldn't be getting called up for Brazil. I mean, I know Neymar's going to, but that's Neymar's got a hundred caps and. 70 goals or something. Gabriel is an uncapped defender. I think this is this is a is going to kind of reinforce that it's the right decision to play for Arsenal and not Al Kibab or whoever. Um yeah, Gaff, I think that's actually a really good point. Um he the these call-ups and now the support of the Brazilian national fans, I think is only going to cement his uh like reasoning for staying at arsenal versus going to saudi um i don't think uh given that he was barely involved with the national team before the rumors i don't think it would have been like neymar at all and i think it's really productive for his career that he stayed here and had two stellar performances and now he's getting you know all the plaudits and rightly so I mean, he was brilliant from what I saw. He's been brilliant for us ever since he signed, really. Um, this is, like we were saying, it's, it's, it's well-deserved, and I'm, I'm glad he smashed it, for sure. 
So Zinchenko started for Ukraine, scored against England, started again in their defeat to Italy. He plays in central midfield for Ukraine, kind of plays in central midfield for us as well. He just starts at left back. Um, usual stuff from Zinchenko, comfortable, a leader, obviously everything you know about Zinchenko. Yeah, this one wasn't a surprise at all. I think um, where I'm coming from with it is that he, you know, obviously he's missed most of the season injured, but he looked fit. He looked threatening. He was running midfield. Um, Again, I only saw highlights. I hate, I hate to keep saying that, but I did only see highlights, Um, but he looked fit. He looked energetic. Um, I, I mean, I think that's all we can ask for. I would say Ukraine at this point calling him up did us a favor because he's closer to match fitness than he would have been. Declan Rice started both games for England. Usual Declan Rice stuff. Um, he was he was good both games. Does what Declan Rice does. Yeah, uh, I did watch a lot of the England game, the second one. Uh, I thought he was brilliant tenacious in the tackle I I mean everything about it I mean he's just carrying on the form he's shown with us already early season I love to see it Declan Rice is probably an argument for signing of the season despite his a hundred plus million transfer fee I mean he's he's adapted so well he's um yeah, he's fitting seamlessly. I mean, I said to pass the old. Yeah, one, I don't seamlessly. think I've ever seen a, ever seen a player more suited to a club than Declan Rice and Arsenal. He fits into the team perfectly. He fits into the club perfectly. He's the right age. He's the right mentality. Like it, it, it's like he was just made to play for this club at this time. Yeah, it definitely does feel like that. And he's kind of the 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 most. Um, I know this is bad grammar. He's like the most biggest controlling, dominating midfielder we've had since like Vieira, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. He's 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 a monster and he's the technical side of his game he's getting he's getting better week by week. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean he just continues to turn it on and improve every single game. And I, I, I can't wait to see what he's like in the North London Derby next weekend. And on to the Premier League's best player, Martin Odegaard started both games for Norway, obviously, as captain. Scored a, a peach in the second, a, arriving on the edge of the box. And what we know now, that trademark finish, sweeping it into the into the bottom corner. Um, two more great performances by the captain. Come on back. Let's, let's, let's keep on with this. Mate, mate, mate. This is... I know Saka is like our best player, our talisman, but Martin Odegaard is ridiculous in the stuff that he's pulling off. And and I I just remember all the doubt in his signing and pushing for um, pushing for Madison or uh, who's the 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 ten the Argentine ten. Oh, Ben Buendia. Buendia, yeah. Yeah, Buendia, who you can't remember. And I think he's, I, I don't want to speak bad about him because I think he tore his ACL, didn't he, in the summer? So, um, yeah, I think he did tear his ACL. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that's obviously looking back on it. And obviously, I was always massively on the Erdegaard side, but looking back at it, it's quite ridiculous. 
Definitely. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember after his loan spell, after it was over, all the fans being like, no, we should go Wendia, we should go Madison, we should go... We got an absolute steal with it, Odegaard. It was like people never watched him. They just took the last few performances after he had that ankle injury. And it, 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 is, it was just, it was madness. I mean, it, you can see, Odegaard's one of them players that you can see the class within five minutes of him being on the pitch. As he's got older, and people forget how young he is still. As he's got older, he's become... Oh, 24, more, right? Yeah. And yeah. as he's... So he was 22 when he came to us on loan. As he's got older, he's got he's grown into the leader of the group, and he's become he's he's started to imprint himself on games more and more and more. He's he's well ahead of where De Bruyne was at his age. So definitely, yeah. Definitely. So it, it's yeah. It, he's having a he's he's going to have another great season. We we know he is. He's him and him and Saka um, got nominated for the Ballon d'Or. I've said to you before. I think we've got two potential Ballon d'Or winners there. I definitely think either of those two could win it at some point in the future. I think we're going to have to win a Champions League for one of them to win it. But yeah. uh, but I think both of them are going to be in there. So while we're talking about that, we'll get on to Bakayo Saka. Started versus the Ukraine, had a very, very quiet game. Uh, unused sub versus Scotland, which I was very thrilled about because England-Scotland games get a bit tasty. Um, he apparently has an Achilles injury that from, there's a hangover from last season that he's being nursed through, which makes sense because he kind of looks like he's playing with that. It's a bit of a worry. Yeah, mate. Uh, I, I Like, I'm, I don't want to contradict you. I, I'm not sure I believe this. I believe Daily Mail was the one running the injury rumor. Do you want to... I'm, I'm not sure where... I can't even remember where I, where I heard it, actually. It might have been... I don't know. I can't remember where I heard it, but I know that I heard that he's been nursing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I only heard it from Daily Mail, and I've seen sources from The Athletic and whatnot but say... But they'll quote in that article. Yeah, say yeah. that it's it's not necessarily true. Now, to say that he's not carrying an injury, you know, it's probably false, but I don't think his injury is severe at all. Oh, I don't think it's severe. It's, I mean, clearly, he's still playing, and he's still playing every every minute of every game. I don't think it's severe. I think it's just something that's probably bothering him. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a, it was a quiet quiet break for him. Um, someone who it wasn't a quiet break for, unsurprisingly, poor Kai Havertz started yep. up front against Japan. Um, I, I I don't get the criticism sometimes of Havertz. It, it goes over the top. I mean, he had a bad game. They lost four one. You lose four one. You can hardly blame your centre forward, as far as I'm concerned. Um, anyway, he didn't start the second game. He came on a sub and set up the winner with a brilliant through ball, um, which I was really glad to see because I think he needs he needs something to get his confidence going again. Yeah, I saw the through ball. Um, it, it, yeah, great pass. I I do think Havertz is struggling with a lack of confidence for sure. Um, he started uh, in a new environment. Right. And a lot of times players uh, blossom in a new environment. Um, Kai obviously needs to find him himself. I think um, he's still really struggling. Uh, I, uh, he's just, yeah, I he, he really needs a goal, right? He, he needs a goal more than anyone I've seen in a long time. And like I said, the criticism of him is, He's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's because of what we paid for him. It's because of where he come from. I understand why the criticism is there. It's because he's replacing Granite Shaka. I understand why the criticism 
is there, but it is over the top. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just, I don't think Havertz is going to be a terrible signing, right? I, I just, I don't. I don't think he's going to be a signing as bad as Mustafi. He's not going to be a signing even as bad as someone like Callum Chambers. I don't think he's going to be that bad a signing. I also don't think he's going to be a great signing. I think he's just going to be a player that comes in, he's fine for a few years, and then he then he moves on and whatever. The problem is, is the price tag and where he came from. Yeah, I I I, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be awful. I bet he scores some really nice goals for Arsenal. And so, helps. Do you know what though? Just some people are just never sure. going to take to it. That's that's all there is to it. No, no matter what happens, some people will never take to Kai Havertz. And and that's just how it is. And I'm I'm kind of bored of it already. You know, every week we say, well, we're not, you know, is should we discuss Kai Havertz? Well, we kind of have to. I'm kind of just bored of it now. Let's just let the guy get on with it. It's been four games. Let's see where we're at at Christmas. I'm, 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 to be fair, yeah, I'm bored of it too. I, I do want to ask though, Gav, I mean, again, you're a, you're a North Londoner, right? Islington? Yeah. Uh, what do you think? just in the grand scheme of things of signing these these Chelsea players. I mean, even as an American, it. I hate it. There's no I hate it. there's no yeah. and the thing is uh, like and you got to remember when I was growing up Chelsea weren't really anything, right? They were they were yeah. absolutely nothing. They, they you know, when I first started going they weren't even in the top division. So they were they were kind of a nothing club, but ever since the Ashley Cole stuff Ever since then, even more than, you know, it's not just the Abramovich money. It's the fact that they poached Cole and they came after Omri and they came after Wenger as well. And I just, you know, and we keep buying players they don't want. And that's the bit that annoys me. I just don't want to buy any more players that they don't want. And And, and that's kind of how that's kind of how it is. It is really odd, mate. I mean. I really, I really don't understand it down to like, you know, Gaius, and then we've got you know Havertz, Willian. I, I yeah, just, I mean, and this goes back to this goes back to the Wenger days with Petacek, and I, I, I could have told you Petacek was useless. Petacek was so far beyond his prime at that point; it was ridiculous. We got rid of a better goalkeeper to start Petacek. And it was just ridiculous. And ever since then, it, that's the way it's been. But like I said, I really, I just want to move on from the Havertz thing now. Okay. Let's, um, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit in the preview, I'm sure, because it's going to be, you know, does he, doesn't he start? But he was, you know, whatever, he, he, he was fine. He's going to be, he's going to be fine in the long run. Um, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for Brazil, uh, Martinelli, unused sub the first game, came on late in the second game, no impact. Um, Jesus came on as sub in both games. Again, nothing to really write home about. Leandro Trossard started both games for Belgium, uh, played well both times, fantastic goal in the second game. Oh, uh, yeah, against Estonia, his goal was fantastic. I think um, this is I mean, it's great. It's especially great, I should say, when you have your um, outside top 11 performing admirably, admirably, excuse me, for the national team. And um, so so I'm all for this. Uh, Trossard continues to push for his, you, you know, his starting spot, which he may deserve at this point over Martinelli. We'll, we'll kind of just have to see. It depends. I don't know if Mark, if um, sorry, not Mark. Now, I don't know if Mikel Arteta purely goes by a 
like a merit system, it seems a lot more let's, system-based. Let's get into that when we do the preview, because that's going to be something that, that comes up, I'm sure. Okay. So we'll, we'll, yeah. get, we'll get into that more then. Um, but it really was a peach of a goal. It was a very Leandro Trossard-like goal. A little dribble yeah, around yeah, the yeah, yeah. box and rifled in the top corner. We've seen that a few yeah. times. Um, and then the last one, not including the two on loan, because there's no point going through those. But the the last one, um, Eddie uh, didn't get, wasn't in the squad for the first game. Unused sub for the second game. This is how Gareth Southgate likes to do it. He did the same thing when he called up Callum Wilson. He did the same thing when he called up Ivan Tony. First time in the England squad, you don't get on. It's kind of ridiculous. I don't understand bringing Callum Wilson on for the last 15, 20 minutes in Scotland instead of bringing Eddie and Ketty on. I'm not sure what it is you're learning about 31-year-old Callum Wilson that you've had in the previous six squads. Um, but there you go, such is life. But Eddie at least gets uh, gets to go sit with the England players and, and get involved in the camp. And I, it, it won't be his last call-up, I wouldn't imagine, and, and he'll probably get some game time next time. Look, mate, I'll be completely optimistic about this. I think it can only be a good thing for Eddie, a confidence boost, going away, getting training from... Um, this is, this is the same with all our fringe players, though, right, Juz? Like, our first 11 are the ones you don't want playing. The fringe players you want in their national team every game. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of doing this right now, like, is excusing <laughs> the problems to hope for the best. But I think this will be good for Eddie. Honestly, I think it'll be a huge confidence boost for him. Um, Overall, I know he's probably down about not playing, but... Um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. But I, I, I actually expect Eddie to be, you know, a ten percent better player after this. I think, I think we may see some improvement. And if not, we have a fit and firing Jesus on the bench now. Um, that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, and I think Eddie's chance is going to come. I think he'll get called up again. And like I said, I think he'll get more. He'll get more minutes next time. So. All right, mate. Well, listen, that will do for the international roundup. Let's um, come back for part two and preview the uh, preview the Everton game. All right? All right. Sounds okay, good. Okay, mate. See you on the other side. See you. Hey, guys. Just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as the NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Juz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back into the non-negotiable podcast. This is part two. Um, unfortunately, Pass isn't making it. He's uh, been called away at the last minute to appear in a reboot of Titanic, where he's starring alongside Taylor Swift and the dog from Airbud. So happy hunting, Pass, and hopefully it won't take too long, and he'll be back next week. So, just um, Everton at the at the weekend, obviously. So we'll start with the Who Am I game. Player that's played for both Arsenal and Everton. Are you ready for this? Oh. Shit. Uh, yes. All right, let's do it. Who am I? I started my career at Arsenal playing 22 league games, during which time I had a brief spell on loan at Brighton. I moved permanently to Aston Villa before signing for Everton, for whom I appeared 96 times. 
I returned to the Arsenal and played another 310 league games before leaving to end my career with brief spells at Leicester and Reading. Who am I? You know who it is? No. Ah, well, you got a lot to think about then. What I, what I would say this, and this for everyone listening at home as well, forget the Brighton bit because he was a kid, so forget the loan at Brighton and the end to the career. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even remember him going to Leicester and Reading. So the career path that you need to think is Arsenal, Villa, Everton, Arsenal. He's he's a legend though. You can yes, he is. So okay. you can uh, you can you can keep I have an idea. I have an idea. All right, well, we'll we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it at the end. So, all right, let's get into it. Um, Just Goodison Park, not a ground that we've enjoyed much in recent years. I think we've lost five of the last six there. Um, Last year, obviously, the new manager bounce and all that. We need to end this bad run. Yeah, mate, like more than anything, I think... um... What last season showed us was our ability to exercise demons, um, not in the literal sense, of course, but, um, you know, overcome some of these statistical barriers that we've had with certain clubs. I think the only two clubs we didn't succeed with was Manchester City and Everton away at Goodison. So this will be a major major game and I you you know this is a weird thing right like I like to think this kind of stuff doesn't get in the players heads but you know it probably does they're probably reading all these articles that says like Arsenal's last win at Goodison was what 2017 I believe 2018 I mean they know do you know what I mean like these players they played there last year they played there the year before they know what it is. They don't have to read it. They they know what it is. And it, it is a thing. Yeah. I think technically, obviously, we're far superior to them. Last year, we absolutely got outfought and outbattled. We definitely did. Yeah. And it was it was new manager bounce, right? It was right yeah, after yeah, it was I, Sean Dyche, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. it was the new manager yep. bounce. And he had that yeah. midfield three, um, who all three of them had the best games of their lives. Yep. And it, you know, they out physicaled us. Yeah, I mean, in in it, it was it was it was wrong. Honestly, I thought we dominated them, but couldn't. You know, we couldn't play our game basically. Uh, so I'm looking at their last lineup against Sheffield United on September second. We should trounce these guys. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. This this shouldn't be a close game. This shouldn't be a close game at all. They're not in good form. They've opened the season with three straight losses, no yep. goals. Then they drew 2-2 with Sheffield United. Yep. They play a 4-5-1, as basic as you like. You could call it a 4-4-1-1, but it's not really. It's a 4-5-1. They, they set up deep. They play for set pieces. The only bit that does worry me a little bit is we obviously have been pretty poor from set pieces for... 18 months now. And I, I think that is a concern. We lost last year on a set piece, the Tarkovsky goal from a corner. And that is the one bit that I do find concerning. I mean, Havertz obviously adds a bit of height. This is actually the tallest team that we've had since, I think since like... The Invincibles. Yeah. Since the Invincibles. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully that will rectify some of the uh, some of those issues. Yeah, I hope so. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Set pieces are what worry me the most. Um, but I do hope now that, I mean, we're, we're kind of a monstrously big squad, if you think about it. Um, only a couple diminutive players. Um, I think we could really turn this around and, 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 and reverse this, this uh, voodoo. Yeah, I mean, this this shouldn't be a game that we get out-muscled and out-physicaled in. Like, we know what to expect going in there. We've got enough players that can handle themselves, enough big players in there. Big Gabby's going to be a big big part of this. You know, the, he's he's back and entrenched in the side now, and I always felt we needed him before this game. Let's get on to the starting 11, Just um, sure. There's 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 a few questions here. I, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to be particularly a surprise. There's, there's just a couple of little ones. Um, Ryer or Ramsdale? Ooh. Well, this is obviously the toughest, right? Yeah, this is the one where I think you are literally guessing. I'm going Raya. I think yeah, Raya I, I, I kind of, I think it is 50-50, but my gut is telling me that it it's going to be Raya. Um, it will be interesting if it is Raya. It will be interesting to see how Ramsdale reacts if it is. The other school of thought, obviously, is that we've got PSV in the week. So he could say, I might as well just stick yep. with Ramsdale for this and play Raya in the week. Yep. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he did that. Obviously, one will, I think, one will play Sunday and then one will play against PSV on Wednesday. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think that'll happen. Does Zinchenko start? Obviously, we talked about the big physical presence that they've got. Tommy Asu had a really good international break. Is there going to be any temptation for Mikel to say to Zinchenko, you know what, sit this one out. We're going to go with Tommy. We're going to go basically with four centre-backs across the back line. I think Zinchenko plays if he's fit. Like, if he's fit to go, you know, 70 minutes, I think Zinchenko will play. He's basically... Yeah. And I think it's the right decision because I think I I don't think it's we we should not fall into this trap of turning this into a fight or a scrap. We should be prepared that that is what they are going to try and do. But the way we win this game is to control the ball, to take the crowd out of it, to knock it around, and literally run rings around it with the ball. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And their front three isn't all massive. I mean, you have. You have uh, Chavi Simon, who will probably play left wing. Um, I, I, I don't think it's going to be like some gigantic side. Like I feel like some of the press made it sound like. Um, it's the midfield, so, isn't it? Where, where, where the size is. Ducore, Nana, just a guy. He's not, not very big, but the two centre backs are big. I think that's that's where it is. But I, I just, I don't really see that being an issue. We're big enough to cope with that. I, I think this, to me, it's about ball domination. It's about control. And it's about taking some damn chances when they come along. Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. I just mentioned Chavi Simon. I'm I'm already on the PSV game. Yes, you're you're right. It is the it is the midfield that is sizable, and that's why. Even though me personally, I'd like to see Havertz maybe just dropped and eased back in. I think he could be very vital in this game. 
Well, that was the next one on my list, actually, was Havertz or Vieira. For me, I think it's Havertz. Um, I think yeah. the right decision is to play Havertz. It's not just a size thing, but I've said to you before, I, I'm not sure that Vieira can actually play that role. I think he can come on with 20 minutes to go when we're chasing a goal. I'm not sure I really want to see him start in that role. Um, so I, I think Havertz, is gonna, Havertz has got a little bit more leash yet. You know who could play that role? Yeah. I know who won't play that role. All right, fair enough. Yeah, but I, I think what's gonna, I think what, you, what you're gonna see here is um, Havertz start against Everton, Vieira yeah, start I, against I so. PSV, and then will Smith Rowe not playing either of them? For those for those listening at home, Justin has just crawled under his desk. Um, I, I'm hoping, in all seriousness, though, I'm, I am hoping he does get um, he does get a run at at least against PSV for half an hour because we we really need to get him in there. But I, I don't see him playing a part at the weekend. I actually I actually don't expect Neil Smith Rowe, and I and I say this as basically his you know biggest supporter. I don't think he plays until the first League Cup game. I don't know. I think he might get off the bench, maybe against PSV. But I mean, I mean we'll, that'd be that'd be real nice. We'll yeah. we'll come and we'll come to that when we do the preview of after the Everton game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Preview and of PSV next week. But we've I, got a a real nice Champions League preview for you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do early next week. Yeah, yep. we'll get into that then, and and you know, and, yeah. and get some minutes. But yeah, I don't see I don't see him coming off the bench there. And I guess the only other one um, is up front. I think Jesus is going to start. Uh, I think Eddie will be on the bench. I I don't see any way he starts Eddie over over Jesus in this one. I think Jesus is fit and firing now, and that's it. And I think Eddie might again. I think I think this might be a case of one in one, one in the other game. Man, this is actually a tough one for me, Gaff. So I, I've actually thought about this a lot today. And it's like, Eddie really hasn't done anything to be dropped. And... Well, it didn't go well last time. Because last yeah. time we dropped him was Fulham. <laughs> and he played Trussard. So it didn't go well last time. But I, I just, I think if Jesus is fit, Jesus starts. And, you know, honestly, hopefully he, he can get up to speed in this one game. That's what I'm hoping for. But I wouldn't be surprised to see either start. But obviously the other one's going to come on at, what, 65, 70, no matter what. So 74 minutes. 74. 74 minutes, yeah. That's when, he'll, that's when he'll come on for sure. But, yeah, that's 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 what – I think that's what it'll be. I think I think Jesus will start. So I think we're, we're – so Raya or Ramsdale, White, Zinchenko – Saliba, Gabriel, Rice, Erdegaard, Havertz, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus. I think he's 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 where I'm going with that. I I don't see anything different there. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah, and this this is such a big game because of what comes next, right? Like like ignoring the Champions League, let's take the take the cups out of it. Our next four league games, three of them are against Spurs, Man City, and Chelsea. I was going to ask about this. Yeah, actually. So this is, um, I think we have to win this. I think this is a must win. This this isn't a must not lose. I think this is a must win with those games coming up. We need to go into them games firing. We've not been firing on all cylinders so far. I think there's a lot more to come from us yet. This is the game, I think, to to really, really put it right. 
Well, Gavin, let me ask you this. Who's the, who do you find just personally? The, the, I assume you put us like number one in the group. Who do you put number two in the group? Because for me, it's PSV. In, in the Champions League? Yeah, of course. Champions yeah, Champions League. Yeah, it's 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 PSV. But I, I I don't think we need a full strength side to beat PSV at home. I think I think again, don't want to don't want to preview this because we'll do it next week. But I don't think that I, I don't think that the PSV game on Wednesday night is going to factor into Arteta's thinking for this game one little bit, not one bit. I don't think it's going to sway him one iota. I don't think it's going to make him bring anyone off a minute earlier. I don't think it's going to or anything about his starting lineup. I don't think it's going to come into his thinking at all. Well, is it... Hold on, I'm waking up my laptop. Is it Saturday or Sunday? We're Sunday. We're Sunday. We're the the Sunday... uh, So we're Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. Yep. I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad, especially early in the season. No. No, it's it's not bad, and like I said, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's coming into his thinking at all. I think he's only thinking is we need to get three points out of this game. I think though, and Gav, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think we have to make at least three changes over these three starting lineups for the next three games. I mean, it's. It's very early in the season, and I'm not a rotation guy anyway. I I know you're not. I, yeah. I don't think we need to make lots of changes, but I think the, there is an opportunity there to do it. And I, I just think with our Champions League group, where we got the where we got the slog group rather than the 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 stars and scrubs group, where you get two top teams and and two crap teams, we are going to have to go pretty strong in all of our Champions League games. So, you know, I just, again, we'll preview Champions League next week, but I I don't think that that's going to play into his mind at all for this game. I think this game is all about winning this game and, and that's it. Everton, you mean, or PSV? Yeah, the Everton game. The PSV okay. game, I don't think he's, I think he'll start worrying about the PSV game on Monday morning. I don't, I don't think that's playing into his mind. I don't think so either. Yeah, no, no, no. I think he's going to want to go full for the throat for Everton, and then he'll worry about PSV. But I said the next, there's... you know, it's these, it's these next league games. Just it, it's what this leads into after with I think I think Bournemouth for the other the other team sandwiched in. But we go this, we go Spurs. I think then it's Bournemouth, then it's Man City, then it's Chelsea. This is a this is a big month for games coming up. We've we've got to kick this off with a win. Yeah, no, no, no. I couldn't agree more. And I think um, we have players coming back from injury, pretty much everybody but Timber, right? If I'm remembering correctly. And I think just getting some minutes in these legs, especially against a poor Everton side and maybe a a beatable PSV side, I I mean, I think it can only help us at this point because nobody is is long-term, right? Except Timber. It yeah, and I think what well, and Partey obviously Partey is going oh, Partey. for, yep, for right. another probably another month. But you're right. Yep. I think one of the big things here, what we didn't do last year very well, is we didn't take the crowd out of it. And there was because they had the new manager bounce, the crowd were right up for it. The crowd at Goodison, again, they know our record as much as we know our record. There, they're going to be bouncing and up for it. I really think it's important to take the crowd out of this game. We, we've got to absolutely silence them. An early goal would be great, but more importantly, 
we need to get a hundred passes in in the first twenty five minutes. That's how you that's how you take the sting out of this game. If we can turn this into a football game, we win this easy. If it turns into a fight, we just don't want it turning into that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I think we have to make this a football game. That's a that's a a nice way to put it. But if we can control it, if we can have, you know, I don't know, 70%, 70% possession, I think we will dominate them. It just kind of depends. I mean, I think we're going to I think we're going to have that, right? I I don't I think 65 70% possession. I think that's pretty much nailed on because they don't want the ball. Right, they don't want the ball. What we need to do is we need to make sure that we don't gift them any reason for their crowd to get into it. Right, these stupid mistakes that we've got in us have got to be cut out because if you go there and you make a mistake in the first minute, I mean, and generally we only do that at home and not away. We'll lose. We'll lose if we yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Off a dumb goal in the yeah, first. You minute, give up. We're yeah. done. You get that. You get the crowd up. You get that. He's going to yeah. be incredibly difficult. So. I think what we need to do, we need to create some chances. We need to move the ball around. We need to take the sting out of the game and we need to suffocate him. And that new forward they've got better actually looks like a decent player. I don't know if you saw him. He in does. United. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He looks like a Bento. decent player. Better. Yeah. Bento. Yeah. He looks, he looks like a, he looks like a decent player. So we, you know, we've got to keep, we've got to keep him quiet, but it, they're not going to be playing through us, right? They're going to be trying to go over the top. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. common you know, it's a common strategy against us. We've had enough practice at dealing with a damn long ball over the top by now. Just don't do anything stupid. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't say it better myself. Um, I think not doing anything stupid, <laughs> as stupid as it sounds, is probably going to be the key here. That's um, got to be what's ringing in their ears when they when yeah. they leave the training room. It has to be what's ringing in their ears. We give up too many and again it's usually at home and not away but we give up too many stupid early goals for it not to be considered a problem it isn't luck it is a problem so what should be ringing in their ears when they leave do not do anything stupid in the first five minutes because that will put us under so much pressure 100 percent. and like i just said if we concede in the first 90 seconds we're done because they do have the quality to sit in and and not let us score. It'll yeah, be that, I mean, I mean that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna sit deep and they're gonna make us in front. And this is this is where Erdegaard becoming the king of the uh, strike from the edge of the box is uh <laughs> could be could be the could be the vital uh, the key to unlocking this because I think that's what it's gonna take. I I think it might be one of them games where we need a free kick, we need a penalty, we need uh a strike out and nothing from the edge of the box. I, I can see it being one of those type of games. I would just say to the, you know, the Arsenal fans, uh, I don't think this is a game we're going to dominate or maybe we'll dominate possession, but this is going to be a dicey game. And I expect it'll be decided by one goal. I'm going to go against you. I think it's going to be free new and I think it's going to be a piece of piss. Well, God, that, I, that is my that is my honest opinion. I, I know I've said with this about don't be stupid. All this, I can see us going in there, getting a goal in the first fifteen minutes, and literally just controlling the entire game. I, I really can. That's how I can see it playing out. Um, there's always that fear again. Goodison, bad record, blah blah blah. But I, I honestly, I do expect us to to do a to do a job on them. 
mate, I'm not going to argue with you. I'd love nothing more. Um, but I just, uh, because we have such a problem with burying games, it, it really makes me nervous. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be tight, unfortunately, but, um, you know, we'll see. I hope you're right though. I hope you're right. All right, so you've had long enough to think about it now, Jazz. So let's revisit the Who Am I game and uh, let's see if you got the answer for me. So just to, to recap, I started my career at Arsenal playing 22 league games during which time I had a brief loan spell at Brighton. I moved permanently to Aston Villa before signing for Everton, for whom I appeared 96 times. I returned to the Arsenal and played another 310 league games before ending my career with brief stints at Leicester and Reading. Who am I? Juz, who am I? Keon? Yes, Martin Keon. That's the correct answer. Yeah. Left um left over fifty quid a week in the first place. He uh he he was uh in a contract dispute with a club. Fifty quid? Yep, fifty pounds a week. Yep. He uh he was in a contract dispute with a club and it got to the point where they argued so much it became a point of principle for him. And even when they offered him the money, he wouldn't take it because he was so pissed off and he went to Villa. And uh, yeah, he said since that uh, he obviously regrets that, but it's uh, it's just what it was. He said he's pig-headed and it was a matter of principle at that point. But yeah, that's how we lost him. So we sold him. I think a tribunal set the fee at something like 75 grand and we ended up paying 2 million to get him back in, uh, in 1994. What was the fan opinion of him at that point? When he left the first time, I was too young because he left in 86 or 87. I think it was 86 that he left. Um, so I really don't remember him coming through. When he come back, he was an England international. He just scored a peach of a goal from in- for England. It might have been against Czechoslovakia from the edge of the box away. He rifled it in the top corner. And he had a really good couple of seasons for, for Villa and for Everton. And I was excited. But it took him a while to get in the team when he came back. Because obviously we had Adams and Bold at the time. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't an easy team for him to break into. But I was excited when he when he come back. I've I've got to say, I um I always liked Martin Keown. He's 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 very quick, he's aggressive, he's the sort of defender that I really like. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't remember when he left, but when he come back, it was uh, definitely um, definitely well received when he come back. A bit of one of our own, yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. You always want to see the the young players do well, right? Like that's that's kind of part of it. It's it's always feels better when it's one of your own. Yeah, of course. So the only other bit of the only other bit of news just to touch on, um, Vinay Vankerstam uh, has announced that he's that he's going to be leaving the club. So Vinay obviously he's been CEO working alongside Edu Arteta, Richard Garlic, and Tim Lewis for the last few years. You know, I don't know. I don't think he's going to have much an effect on the football side of it. Um, it's hard for us to to judge on, you know, how much it's going to affect the CEO. But it seems like Tim Lewis has been taking more and more control there for a while. Um, I do wonder if Tim Lewis is going to become the new CEO. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be how they approach this. Yeah, I wondered that myself, actually, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if it is Tim Lewis. Um, I think it it makes sense for it to be him or Richard Garlic. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Vinay is going to be replaced 
one for one. I don't know that he needs to be replaced one for one in the hierarchy because if you look at it, you know, David O'Leary's come onto the board and Tim Lewis has come onto the board. So it might be a case of just that we've got enough bodies. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, surely someone else is going to have to be named CEO. But someone, I... someone will be named. I mean, someone will have to be named. But what, what I mean is, I wouldn't be surprised if it was either Lewis or Richard Garlic were named CEO, and there wasn't a change to that hierarchy. So obviously, you've got Edu and Mikel just below the the level of Garlic, Tim Lewis, and David O'Leary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that as well. In fact, I mean, I think at this point, knowing what we know, and to be fair, we don't even really know what Vinay was doing, <laughs> but it seemed like he was doing a good job, to be fair. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Tim Lewis would make almost the most sense. Um, now, maybe based on what he's been doing, he's kind of done it out of the spotlight. So maybe he doesn't want to be in that spotlight, but then, you know, garlic would also make the second most sense. So yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Um, Just, just to give some appreciation out to V9 again, l- like I said, we don't really know as fans what the CEO does for Arsenal. Um. But I think, I mean, I feel like our commercial deals have been better. Better well, than brings, Gazidis. This brings up an interesting point. Because the first thing I thought when I started thinking about this was, my God, Ivan Gazidis is probably the worst employee that Arsenal Football Club has ever had in any position. He's under him at commercial deals nosedive. Him and Arsene Wenger absolutely read the tea leaves wrong when it came to what was going on in football in the early 2010s, they decided that keeping uh, keeping big cash reserves was better than buying players. And it turned out that players' values skyrocketed while the cash just depreciated in the bank as inflation took hold. Um, he was responsible for bringing in that mess of Sven Mislintat and Raul Sanyagi and everything that went on in between. He was one of the people that interviewed Unai Emery. So I I honestly think, you know, we've obviously had disasters of signings. Um, We've had uh, a couple of bad managers. I think Ivan Gazidis is in the running for the worst employee in Arsenal Football Club history. I guess Raul Sanyehi and the possibility that he pocketed 20 million quid from the Pepe deal, (laughs) allegedly, might... um, might top him but Ivan Gazidis is is was it it brings to mind how bad a job Ivan Gazidis actually did look mate before I just a year by the way not not a long time um but before I started really following Arsenal um I was already into MLS and Ivan Gazidis Ivan Gazidis was the uh what do you say uh, vice commissioner, associate commissioner. I yeah, something, something like that. I, yeah. I can't remember these exact job titles. Yeah, me neither. Uh, of MLS. And when I saw him moving to Arsenal Football Club, who I had already, you know, kind of held, you know, close to my heart, I was, I, I had raised eyebrows because I 
didn't think Ivan did really anything for MLS. Um, over the course of years, I think uh, you're probably right. I think Ivan is probably the most damaging uh, employee uh, figure. Yeah, decision maker, called... whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah I mean, whatever you want to say, yeah. I mean, it's the bad days, right? The bad old days, and I'll always remember. I'll always remember we're uh, we're we're here to compete with the likes of Bayern Munich. Well, <laughs> you know, we're we're just recovering from how bad the commercial deals were under him, and we're still two hundred million behind Bayern Munich in in commercial income. You know what's crazy is that um, I've seen on 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 Reddit at least on Reddit, but. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Italian AC Milan fans actually seem to rate him a bit, a bit. They they don't love him, but they think he's solid. Yeah, I, I mean, let's be fair. Serie A's a, an absolute disaster. Me or you could go over there into one of them clubs and look sane. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. Because yeah. I think I think AC Milan they're skint one minute, then they're not. Then they're skint again, then they're not. Juventus, uh, Juventus can't even fix matches. They end up twelfth. Um, Inter Milan are Inter Milan are absolutely broke. It, it's it, it's a mess of a league, an absolute mess of a league. So uh, I don't know how much Gazida is being uh, being vaunted by by AC Milan fans. <laughs> really, uh, really weighs in. I saw the man up close for a decade, and uh, uh, he's just a walking disaster. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. And, and for Arsenal especially, like I said, I mean, seeing him come from, um, you know, associate director of MLS to Arsenal, I was just, you know, uh, I don't want to say it heartbroken because that sounds so dramatic, but I was just like, what the fuck did they expect? Like, yeah, I mean, generally, generally, I don't take too much notice of these positions, especially when Arsene Wenger was there, because Arsene Wenger was was he was such a big figure at the club that on the football side, you think it really doesn't make any difference. But when you look back and you look back at how bad the commercial deals have been for 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 that whole time since he was there, when you look back at how badly they misread the market in terms of 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 players and and cash in the bank and. When you look back at all this stuff, and then obviously hoisting Raul Sanjayi upon us and all that, mm. it it really—I mean, it's just—it's an absolute, absolute mess, and that that just makes Vinay and uh, and Tim Lewis and that just look even better. Yeah, what did we miss out on Havertz? No, not Havertz. Hazard. Hazard. On. Yeah. It was like yeah. five million. Yeah, they they, they they wouldn't pay it. There's, there's there's a ton of them that they that they wouldn't do, and it was all. Gotze, Gotze had that, too, I believe. It was there's there's been a ton of them, and it was all because they they believed that the cash in the bank was worth more than the player. And at the end of the day, you buy the player. Two years later, you can double your money by selling them. But they they didn't see it. They didn't see it. They absolutely they absolutely misread the market. Yeah, definitely. And, and and it's insane because these are supposed to be financial experts. I sometimes feel like fans see this stuff before these financial experts. But I mean, the 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 um the player market has had the most ridiculous inflation I've ever seen. Paying what thirty six? I'm 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 going off the top of my head to be fair, but thirty six million for Eden Hazard. I mean, that was so much worth it. And we would have probably had three, four, five more trophies if we'd have gotten them. Um, I mean, 
I don't think so because I don't think he's very good. But you know, I, I understand your point. You I don't think, think you don't Hazard, think no. I think Hazard's one of the most overrated players I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I don't rate Hazard at all. Not at all. I, I don't think he's. I don't think. I don't think he was the year he got Player of the Year. I don't think he was Player of the Year. Alexis Sanchez was. I, I don't think Hazard's that good. So I, I definitely don't think he's winning trophies on his own. I, I, I mean, he was part of a couple of good Chelsea. He won trophies. the Europa League against us basically on his own. It was the, the, the Europa one... League. I don't count the Europa League. And look I'd at love... that team that he won it. Look at that team that he won it against. I'd love to win a Europa League, Gaff. Putting Hazard in that team would not have made us win the Europa League. He dragged Chelsea to it, and they were pretty shit. Yeah, but we were worse. We were worse. <laughs> we were really bad. So, anyway, yeah. All right. Well, that's 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 <laughs> enough for that. No more. Uh, no more dragging up the uh, dragging up that shit. <laughs> I've, I've unfollowed the Europa League. I, I never want to mention it again. That's uh thing. Yeah, I'd appreciate if we could never mention it again. Yeah, exactly. Let's 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 never play in that competition again. Yeah. So, all right, fella. Well, thanks for tonight. Um, and uh, we will catch up with everybody probably Monday or Tuesday after the game. Probably Monday, I would guess, after the game. Um, and we'll also preview the PSV game. So have a good weekend, mate. And uh, I will speak to you next week. Yep. Sounds good, mate. All right, man. Bye-bye. All right.